What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Crazy Face Uno podcast, where everyone has a story and everyone's story matters. What's your story? If you'd like to support the show and help us tell more stories like the one you're about to hear, please visit crazyfaceuno.com today. There, you can purchase items from our online store and donate. As always, I'm your host, Shane McNeely, and boy, are you in for a treat today. It is my honor and privilege to introduce our guest today. Please welcome Nick Glumikoff. Nick, we got it this time, hey, man. We got it. We got it. It's all right. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. For those of you listening, we uh, we, we redid this. We, we went back and <laughs> had to redo the uh, the first take because I just completely forgot to ask how to say his last name. Nick. You, you did what literally every person who has ever read my name in my entire life has done, which is go, mm. I, I knew my name in school because people would go, um, next person, Nicholas, because um, it's always yeah. a pause. Nobody goes right for it. Sure. Tough. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I like got into it and I like realized like instantly, I was like, dang it, I forgot to ask what his name was. <laughs> How to say his last name. So anyway, Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming thank on. You, thank I really you. appreciate it. For all of no you problem. listening right now, uh, we are also videoing podcasts. So head on over to YouTube, check out our channel, Crazy Face Uno. And uh, yeah, if you go to Instagram or, or Facebook, you can find those links on all of those different places as well and, and all the different it, it, ways you can do that. It's worth a view. We're two just absolutely gorgeous men here. So I, I would I would watch the video. I don't know how much y'all, but exactly, exactly. Nick, dude, we first met what? It's been uh probably seven, eight months ago, maybe. Um you're one yeah, of my yeah, about that. You're one of my closest friends in Florida. Congratulations. Word. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it feels I, I, it's an honor. It's an honor for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we Dana and I, my wife, um, we joined a beach volleyball group that plays volleyball every Saturday. And that was how we met uh, when we first moved here to Florida. And, you know, there's several other little pickup games. And I don't know, we've, we've just hit it off, like all of us. And there's a little small group of us that hang out regularly and um, minus this uh, weird time that we're living in. But, um, yeah, so it's been it's been cool. It's been really really fun to get to know you, and and I'm excited to share a bit of your story today. So thanks for agreeing to come on. Yeah, no problem, man. Happy to be here. Well, something I've been doing uh, more recently, and especially with people that you know I don't have as as strong of a you know maybe background with, uh, like some mm -hmm. of my guests with, you know, from Invisible Children or college or high school or whatever that is. But um, I've been asking, and and I want to ask you the same question is what are maybe three things that you think are important for people to know about you? Oh, important. Yeah. That's, 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 that's a tricky word. Yeah. Yeah. Slip that one in there on you. Um, I guess I'm from New York, which I think is definitely, definitely part of who I am, you know, it kind of digs into you when you're from New York. Absolutely. Hence um, the, the backdrop behind you there. Yeah. Yeah. Hence my, hence my mural. So yeah. remind me of my roots. It's awesome. I love it. Um, hmm. I know it's a tough one. Thing. I usually save the tough ones for like towards the end, you know, but right, right. No, I know, I know. I'm wait. I'm ready for you. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a public accountant. 
I guess that's, that's a big part of what I do now. I've been doing that for eight years now. Cool. Um, gets, gets the bills paid. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and my third thing. No, number three. It's always the hardest, right? I like giving people options. I hate when, you know, how people, the classic questions are always like, what's the best? Or what's the best thing? You know, what's what's the one thing we should know about you? But there's so many things. It's hard to like. Yeah, no, there's no one thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I really always, I always get stuck. Even, even three, three really, it gives you options, but it also like puts you on an island. <laughs> like yeah. having to come up with three things on the spot, you know. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm dead air right now. I know. I know. It's okay. We'll we'll come back to it maybe. But maybe. How I, maybe. How about I help you out? We heard we heard uh, one of them at least. But you've got a couple dogs. Oh, you guys did hear that one bark. Yeah, monk and. Yeah. Uh, Scrappy, scrappy, yeah. There we go. Yeah, those scrappy making the noise. Yeah, yeah. I got Classic. them when I moved down to Florida. Nice. We've been nice. together like four years now. Five, five, five years. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. So you you mentioned it. Number two was public accounting. Um, yeah. That's what you do for work. That's what you do for a living to pay the bills and get by. What uh, you said? Eight years you've been involved in. Public kind yeah, of? I think so. Yeah, yeah. It started twenty twelve. So. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. It's been a yeah. Been a good while. How is that? You know, with today's kind of situations. I know we, you and I, have talked about it. You know, and personally, but um, what are you know what have been some of the struggles maybe with COVID nineteen and, and kind of the shutdown of the world uh, that's really affected <laughs> your business outside of you know some of the obvious is you know you I'm sure you'll talk about it but. There's some obvious things, but then maybe some other things that maybe that aren't. I don't know. Yeah, the most obvious being that you know a lot of my business clients are are either closed or operating at you know, minimal capacity right now. Um, we mainly deal with uh, auto dealers, so yeah, some of them are open. Um, even the ones that are open, they're uh, they're not doing a ton of business. Yeah. So uh, that's that's obviously a. Uh, pretty significant challenge in terms of, you know, if, if they're not making money, they don't want to pay me to do work for them. You know, this is one of the issues, yeah. um, you know, specific services that I do for clients. You know, like I, I, I like to travel to my clients and go to their offices and do some work at their office. And uh, I can't sure. do any of that right now. Yeah. That's a, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's, classic right it's just how kind of everything is right now and how everybody's um kind of been in a i don't know sticky situation in a lot of ways with with work yeah, this, and business and and just knowing where things are going yeah this is, this is kind of like the one situation where tr trickle down economics uh is, is real in the real mm. world it doesn't work when something like this happens it's yeah you, a business closes but then all the things that happen because that business closes Right. You know, it affects a large swath of things, you know, not not just that business, not just that employees, mm -hmm. but it, it ranges out. Um, right. I mean, even if you look at, you know, you mentioned car dealers, but, you know, from, you know, their servicemen to, you know, the people that are servicing the cars to their dealers to, you know, the accounting side of things, which is you. And, you know, there's a whole whole industry around, you know, right. the 
the car industry, you know, that, that whole industry. And, and that's top down as well. I mean, from manufacturing to, you know, you could go down the list of all the different things that are affected throughout that industry in and of itself. And, and that's across, you know, America and across the world right now, which is pretty crazy. And, yeah. And even like things that you wouldn't expect to say, like, uh, the fact that the, uh, the rental car industry is at a standstill right now. Sure. What happens when that happens is those guys look to move their cars to get um, some liquid equity. So they right. sell off their inventory and and then the the auction houses which sell to the used car dealers get filled up. The used car dealers aren't buying cars. So now all of a sudden they have to drastically decrease prices to try to move inventory. So it's something that's completely unrelated, like travel, sure. all of a sudden has a huge effect yeah. on completely, almost completely different industry. So. Wow. Yeah. I never even thought about that. That's a, that's an interesting point for sure. Wow. Um, you know, I know you, you mentioned in the beginning, you're from New York, obviously. Is, is that where your family is right now? Um, so I have some family, my, my family's friends in three places. Some of them are in New York, some are in North Carolina and some's in Florida. Okay. Like my parents are down here. My sister is in New York. Same with a bunch of uh, aunts and uncles. Okay. Um, and then my other like aunts and uncles and cousins and stuff are in North Carolina. Okay. Okay. Have you, I mean, I'm assuming you, you know, quite a few people in New York. Have you heard much from you know, those people and, and some of those friends and family that are living there and how things are going on in New York? Yeah, I, you know, I've talked to my family that I've up there, but, uh, I, you know, I haven't been in New York in, you know, seven years-ish. Uh, so I, I don't really, I, I, I'm not big on, you know, long-distance friendships, but yeah. I don't keep in touch with many people from up there, to be honest. Sure. You know, my, I know my family is safe. Um you know, like my sister is um, a teacher, so she's been home for a long time with, uh, with my nephew. Yeah. And uh, my, you know, her husband's an, an accountant, so he's just been working from home, and, you know, every, everybody's fine, so. Sure, sure. That's awesome. That's good. It's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. I know, um, you know, obviously New York's had the uh, raw end of the deal when it comes to uh, COVID-19, yeah. and, and, you know, they've really taken a hit in Luckily, uh, they, they used to be in Brooklyn, but they moved uh, onto Long Island like okay. a year and a half ago. So it's, yeah. it's not as bad on the island. You're obviously not as densely packed. Yeah, that makes sense. Total. Uh, you have a sister, you said. Is it just you two? Mm -hmm. You're the only kids? Yeah, yeah. Just an older sister. Okay. Uh, significantly older or you guys? No, two years. Okay. How Are you guys close? Uh, we've, we've gotten closer since, uh, since I had my nephew a, a year ago. He's actually, he's actually turning one tomorrow. Cool. Um, but we, we're not distant. Like we would talk every couple of months, but we're, we're very different people. So yeah. there, you know, there's a, there's a limit, you know, I, I usually sure. go up to see her once a year. We'll go to like a Yankee game or like a, a show or something. Sure. And, uh, then we might see each other on a holiday, but that's, you know, that's pretty much the extent of it. Yeah. Now, now we talk like every couple of weeks because I, I want to see my nephew and he's super cute. And uh, he was five months premature. So there was a whole, wow. everybody kind of bonded with him through, you know, hoping he'd make it and everything. So there's, there's a stronger connection there now. Yeah. 
Well, that's awesome. I mean, family's obviously important and it's cool that you have that relationship and you get to see him and, you know, have that relationship with your little nephew. That's awesome. Well, let's go ahead, Nick. Uh, this is the part that I'm excited for because I, I, you know, like I know the, I know the current event things, you know, we've, we've chatted about like more mm-hmm. current things and had, had these conversations, but I'm excited to learn more about you. I know you keep things kind of kind of close to home so i'm excited yeah, to hear, yeah a little hear, bit a little bit yeah hear what might come out so let's go ahead and throw it back to childhood and uh why don't you start off and just tell us you know what was child like childhood like for you and, and what was it like growing up and and uh in new york i'm assuming and uh um yeah what was what was your childhood like for you how would you describe your childhood yeah my, my childhood was uh you know i I always think that, like, I think this is what happens a lot of people, especially when they're younger, that you think your experience is, you know, like the world's experience. Yeah. You know, so I, when I at the time, I thought, you know, my childhood was, was fairly normal. Um, you know, I'm, I'm from New York, but I'm from Long Island, um, okay. the east end of Long Island, which is very uh, suburban. Um, sure. It's very much like where we are now in Florida. Okay. Um, in terms of, like, how neighborhoods are structured and stuff. Yeah. So it's it's not quite the big city or anything. Um, and I was, you know, a fairly normal guy. I, I played sports, you know, from when I was five. I played baseball, basketball, and soccer for some sort of team at yeah. some point in my life. Um, I was definitely a bit of an awkward guy. I was definitely shy when I was a kid. Okay. Um, like super shy. Like hide behind people kind of shy. But, uh, <laughs> um. I also had giant glasses that nice. covered half my face from first grade on. So that was. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about that the other day. Uh, when we were, yeah. We were chatting about, you know, my wife, she has some, some uh, messed up eyes. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> and you yeah, guys were comparing. Does. So it's kind of, it's kind of funny. But, yeah. So, so that. There was some teasing for that and that kind of stuff. You know, I was a shy kid with big glasses. I was always bigger than all the other kids. Yeah. Um, I got my growth spurts young, so I was always, sure. I was sometimes you know two feet taller than the <laughs> next the next kid in class. Uh, especially getting into like you know fifth grade and stuff, I was I was a giant among among children. You know? <laughs> yeah, you know, well, I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't one of those bean kids. It wasn't like, you know, like usually the tall kid when you're young is like super skinny because sure. like when, when you when you grow fast, you like burn up everything yeah. and it grows with you. Nah, I was I was built too. <laughs> not, not you know, I was not quite like this, but I was, you know, I was a big dude. So I love it. I love that. There was, there would be like some mild amount of teasing, but then like if I stepped up, that would stop because yeah, nobody yeah. wanted to be on the receiving end. Yeah, you were nice until uh, until you had to had to take yeah. things to the next level, huh? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Basketball, baseball, soccer. You said. Yeah, that was a big three for me. Well, obviously, you know, on my own time, I played pretty much every sport known to man. But those are the three that uh, I stayed with in terms of teams throughout throughout my childhood. Nice. That's fun. Did you have a favorite by chance, or <sighs> at different points in my life, I had yeah. different. At the end, I would probably say soccer. At the end of the day, it was probably my favorite. Nice. I like um, that. Basketball was tougher when I was a kid because it just uh, – it was competitive where I was from. Mm. Like, sure. 
Like you, like if I had grown up in like, you know, the middle of the country, I, I would have been a star probably. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know? Good old Midwest. But, yeah. You know, but yeah, it, it was crazy growing up playing basketball. The amount of skill that, that people have, you know, I go to LA fitness and you know, you, you, you play against these guys like think they're they're really good because they play at LA Fitness and they can score points or whatever. And I'm like, you would not have made my eighth grade team. <laughs> you you wouldn't have. Like that's a, that's a that's I mean that's pretty cool though. Do you do you know of anybody that like came from your school that's kind of you know made it to the NBA or nah, no no nobody on? made it because like I said like my school like we were good. But even then, like all the other schools, like we weren't dominating yeah. the league. All the other schools are good too. Right, know? right, yeah. It's just the competition was higher. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It just you, when you play against good people, you're constantly building each other up. So it, uh, so everybody's getting good. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes total sense. What did you say you wanted to be when you grew up? Oh. No, probably. I probably didn't say anything. <laughs> I, you just kept to yourself and quiet. <laughs> not, not even that. I kept to myself. I never thought that far ahead. Yeah, yeah. There's I always guess, yeah. That's like one of my favorite questions. So there's usually always something that comes up. But if you think of anything as we as we go, don't hesitate to let I, me know. I, I'm, 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 I'm sure I won't. I, like people used to always say to me, "Oh, you'd make a really good this, or you'd make a sure. really good that." Um, and I was like, well, but I'm pretty good with what I'm doing right now. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, like, like I'm sure at some point I said I wanted to be a professional athlete, but there was never a time in my life where that seemed like an option. Like I was never, I was never the best or anything. And, uh, I I was smart enough even as a kid to know that statistically not a lot of people make it. So if I wasn't the best when I was, you know, eight, nine years old, I wasn't going to be the best when I was. Sure. 25 years old so uh, yeah do you think um like well i was gonna ask about you know um i guess i would rather pref- i'd prefer to kind of transition maybe into talking about maybe a little bit more about your family and like your relationship with your family specifically maybe like pre-adolescence you know like before middle school before high school but what was that childhood time like? How was that uh, for you and in, in your family? Were you close? Were you uh, not so close? Or how would you describe your relationship with your with your parents and with your sister? Yeah, with, with my sister, it was it was always contentious. You know, I was the little brother. You know, yeah, I, my, right. um, you know, it, but the the neighborhood that we specifically lived in um, didn't really have many other kids my age. Okay. Um, so, you know, we were just home, we were just home and I was there, like, I couldn't like go down the street to a buddy's place. Yeah. So, yeah. You I just picked on your sister I was, instead. Yeah. I was probably pretty annoying. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, in terms of my parents, uh, yeah, you know, when I was young, it was probably good. I don't have the best memory. Um, you know, they were around. You know, both yeah. my parents were always around. They they both worked. Um, you know, my mom started working when I was like three or four years old. Um, actually, I, yeah, I think as soon as I started going to elementary school, she she started working. So, uh, 
yeah, as I grow grew up, I, I definitely distanced from my family more. Um, yeah. Probably more around like late middle school or early junior high. Um, me and my me and my dad definitely uh, started moving far farther away from each other. Yeah, um, which can happen, you know. I mean, everybody's family dynamics are always different, and you know, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's not necessarily an uncommon thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, let's let's go ahead and and kind of move into that adolescent, that middle school, high school time, and and uh, you know, specifically looking at that time. How would you describe yourself as a student? So the the best describe so me and my sister this was earlier than we were going at this is first grade but we had the same first grade teacher I think her name was Miss Greg and so my sister had it and I came in after and my mom used to always tell a story that uh, this woman like nailed it on the head like when I was that young like and she said that uh, told my mom that I was uh, a lot smarter than my sister there but my sister worked a lot harder. And that pretty much followed track. That track, uh, school was easy for me. I'd, yeah. In no point from, you know, kindergarten to 12th grade did I ever put an effort in my scholastic achievements. But I was always sure. top of the class. I was in all the honors classes. and uh, Yeah, I got awards and things like that. So school was always really easy for me yeah um, it, it was just kind of like something I had to go and do every day so I could get through it and get to the other things that I wanted to do sure sure was was uh you know some of the honors classes and some of those did you do any like the extracurriculars that kind of um are kind of synonymous with that like upper level of you know high school I guess uh so once I got to high school and they were like, well, you could start taking this other stuff. I was like, well, do I have to? Yeah. And they were like, no. <laughs> and I was like, then, then I would prefer not to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, particularly like my senior year, I took three classes, I think. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was like my first two periods of study halls, so I wouldn't come to school. And then I would show up for my one class and I'd go to a couple classes and then I'd leave. And then I, I ran a side hustle as a taxi service at school. <laughs> nice. And, I, and anyone who wanted to come with me, whether they were allowed to leave or not, was allowed to get in my car. And I drive them home for five bucks a day. So, Dude, that's so smart. <laughs> I, I, some, some weeks, you know, you get three kids a day. That's 15 bucks a day for five days. <laughs> it's good not money. nothing. Yeah. Good money as a high schooler. <laughs> yeah. It's more than minimum wage. And at, and I had a job. So I, I had two jobs at some point in high school. Okay. So just if, if it made sense, like if I, you know, I had nothing left that I felt like I could learn in high school. I was already taking college classes and I didn't, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I wasn't like super pumped to go to college and like achieve my dreams. Like maybe some people are. So I was like, I want to get a job. I want to pay for my car. I want to get out of my parents' place. I want to, you know, get on with life. Yeah. Instead of, uh, you know, school never felt like real life. What What was the motivation behind that part of you, uh, that desire to just kind of get out? Was Was it kind of bored with? Oh, I was always trying from... to get out. It yeah. was part boredom and part just me wanting to get out on my own. So yeah. was, uh, that, my, my dad always told me when I was two years old, 
he uh, was watching me outside and he went inside for like five minutes and he came out and I was gone. He found me like half a mile down the street. And I was like, that's, that's how you knew I wanted to leave. Like even from a young age, I just wanted to be out. Just born to run. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah. I just, I, yeah. Cool. I didn't feel like I needed anything that was there. I could just go out on my own and, and yeah. find my own thing, you know? Especially when you're, like, home with, like, your parents. Like, you live under their rules. And it's like, I don't need your rules Mm. to live. You know? know, Even though my parents weren't super strict, especially they were a lot harder on my sister than they were on me for for reasons I I never understood, but she always pointed out. (laughs) First first child syndrome, I guess, maybe? I don't know. I I guess, yeah. That's a thing, yeah. Classic Uh, stereotype, I guess, for the, the... little child but um. yeah they, I, I think they just always knew that like she was a lot more high maintenance in terms of life <laughs> and stuff so i think they just knew that i could handle myself like yeah like, like i said she she put in the work i just got things done yeah and i don't think they felt like they really needed to to push me at all that's so interesting did you have a lot of friends in high school middle school high school time yes and no um, like uh, being an athlete, you know, you know, I, I had teammates, lots of, lots of teammates from various places. Um, you know, I, I would play on sometimes up to eight different teams a year. So that's, that's a lot of different teammates. Totally. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, close friends, you know, kind of came and went. There were a couple that, that lasted, um, but, you know, like my high school, I'd, I graduated with 770 people. Okay. So, that's, it's, you know, my high school had 3,000 people packed into this tiny building. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I knew a ton of people. More people knew of me than, than I knew of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because of sports and everything. But, uh, yeah, I never, like people fall into cliques when they're, especially when they're in high school and junior high and stuff and i never you know i couldn't find the clique that i belonged to because i was you know there's not a lot of you know the amount of us who are you know athletes on three teams and an honor student you know yeah that's that's a small group there might have been there might have been one or two of us in that group so you know yeah I, i had people that i played sports with i had people that i met in class and then I have you know people in between that I just meet and, and random stuff. So uh yeah, I never had like super tight groups that I would hang out with. But I was never lonely either. Yeah. Which is good. I mean I I can kinda relate to that in some ways. I, I think that's more, maybe more common with like bigger class sizes and just bigger schools. Um, you know, I grew up in small town Indiana, so my high school graduating class was 120, um, give or take, you know, but, uh, so very different. Like I knew everybody in my school, you know, and right. then, and, and it's not like, I don't know. It's, it's just small town stuff. You know, it's like, you know, a little bit about everybody, but you don't necessarily know them, you know? Um, right. Right. But when I moved to Minnesota and, and I started coaching, I coached at some bigger high schools, you know, that same, that like three to 3,000 plus, you know, students. And I noticed that 
amongst some of them, you know, the, the guys that I would coach and the, the athletes that I would coach and in some of their relationships, you know, part of the mentoring process of coaching, I, you know, you learn about the individual a little bit. And, um, yeah. So I think that's a little bit more maybe of a common thing in maybe the bigger schools of just having, trying to find your, your group, but kind of being, you know, a part of a shallower relationship in a bunch of different places, you know? Right. Interesting. Um, did you have any athletic accomplishments or academic accomplishments that you're proud of from, from that time? Or extracurricular? I, like, you know, sometimes people are in like robotics. Yeah, like and I, I guess I had both, but at the time I didn't really think any of it mattered. Even now I don't think any of it mattered. Yeah, but, right. uh, but yeah, like, yeah, like I guess I, like, I was a good student and everything. Um, you know, my parents had that bumper sticker on the back that said, my child's on a student. I don't know, maybe some people nice. were proud of that or something. <laughs> like, like, especially in like junior high, they'd have like, uh, like an award ceremony for like specific, like academic accomplishments or something. And I would usually yeah. get invited to that for some reason or not. I can't even, I couldn't even tell you like what I got invited to that stuff for. Yeah. If, even There's, at the time, it just felt like I would just sit there and be. I would. I would even have fun. Like, do I have to go? I don't want to go. Like, this is stupid. Like, yeah, okay, I got good grades. <laughs> Doesn't everybody get good grades in middle school? Like, that's that. That was my thing. Where I thought my experience was like the world experience. Like, yeah, every everybody's acing this. Like, right? Like, this is so easy. Like, yeah. I haven't even opened my textbook this year. Like, this is everybody's acing this class, right? And, you know, that obviously wasn't the case. Um, <laughs> it's like, I, I, I say that, like, I went to, like, some prestigious high school or something, but my my, my school district was garbage. <laughs> yeah. It was it was a rough district, especially, like, again, I thought it was everybody's experience, so I started talking to people when I got older and people that I would, like, work with, and they, you know, especially, uh, I worked in a area called Port Jeff, which is a fairly nice part of a... Uh, of Long Island, on the north side, okay. it's, it's near the water and stuff. Um, and people there, they 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 do all right financially. And uh, so I was working out there at this uh, catering place, super nice, like very expensive. And uh, most of the people there like lived out there, and like they're driving around like brand new Escalades and stuff. Sure. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, we had very different experiences growing <laughs> up. Like, yeah. Good old I'm Escalades. Driving, I'm, I'm driving this, you know, eight-year-old Pontiac. Yeah. <laughs> thinking, thinking that I'm the shit. <laughs> yeah, right? I had like, a, I'm like, this car is awesome. I had a Ford Mercury Topaz, I think is what it was. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was an old, it was an old uh, car that I got hand-me-down from my mom. <laughs> Just the you know, classic the, beater. I was a 2000 Grand Prix, black nice. with a red racing stripe. Like back in the day, I thought this thing was the shit. Yeah, and like yeah, it could I mean, go. It could go. The thing had a had an engine in it. Oof, missed that thing. <laughs> Mine was like a 92, so 1992, Oof. old school. You know. Oof, that is old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Small town, so paid off it was fun i could get to and from the high school i'll say you, you didn't have to pay for yours I, I had to pay for mine yeah i had to pay for other things like the, you know obviously i had to take care of it but uh right yeah but it was uh 
Yeah, and I, I, man, that's something special as well. Like when you buy your own vehicle when you're younger, uh, you make a good point because I think it's one of those things that you have a little bit more appreciation for maybe or, you know, like for the process of what it takes to save money and earn money, you know, and, and get to that point. Do you feel that way? Maybe now. At the time, yeah. Yeah. I'm, you making, just... myself, I'm making myself look like you know like i didn't think about anything when i was a kid um but yeah at the time it was just like yeah i got my own car like it like it just made sense i was working yeah you know I, the next I, should, I should be yeah i should be able to get a car like that's you know yeah did um you know did well how old were you the first time you got a job uh 16 i guess 16 about as early yeah. as you could What what did you do again you worked in that. I did. I did catering for catering. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I worked retail <laughs> too. My because because I was getting out so early. Like catering is like a seasonal business. Yeah. Um, and it's usually you know Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I got another job working at Kohl's at the register, which uh, that was that was interesting. And that was you know during the school year. So I I leave school and I I go to work and work the register. Cool, cool. Did you ever get in trouble growing up? Not like big trouble. Like I got normal, like, and and not a lot of trouble from my parents either. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't a saint, but yeah, um, I wasn't crazy either. Yeah, and 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 I usually didn't let it get back to them. If, uh, if I, I did get suspended my senior year, um. <laughs> For not attending so, classes, potentially? <laughs> no, no, I, 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 would, I would go to class most of the time. Yeah. Um, no, I used to play, uh, I used to play poker in high school um, for money during some of my study halls and stuff, yeah. or lunch and stuff, um, where we'd, we'd, you know, we'd play cards and then we'd just write down on a piece of paper, you know, what people were betting, and we, sure. somehow no one ever checked to see what we were doing um and a friend of mine he was going through a tough time she was going down for him he uh he had like if i remember right he had like sold this camera that that was stolen and the cops were on him and he was falling apart he was selling yeah. weed in school and stuff and like he was having a rough time so we're playing and i and i guess he was losing and he was being like all like whiny about it and i just started messing with him and he snapped uh, you know, no. just just the weight of like his life fell on him, and he snapped, and he, he started fighting me, and uh, and yeah, we both got suspended. We said we we got suspended for five days, right? Yeah. So that's a good, that's I, a solid suspension. I feel like this. Yeah. Oh like yeah. Three, like three. Yeah. Days, you know? No, that was it was decent. But two days into it, I get a call from the principal. <laughs> saying that I was allowed to come back. Mm. And that was because every year I was in high school, I had a different principal. No okay. one lasted more than a year at my school. <laughs> um, so she was just like trying to get like brownie points. I felt like, yeah, <laughs> cause there was really no reason to, to bring us back after they told us it was five day suspension. So she wanted to win you over, huh? Apparently, but she didn't make <laughs> the year anyway. So, <laughs> Like, like my school, like nobody else has ever said they had this. My school, my, I think it was my second year, they installed bulletproof glass around the administration building. <laughs> nice. 
that uh like like it was just something. in like the middle of the school they had their offices and then there was just bulletproof glass that you had to like you know get like buzzed through to go to like the principal's office yeah did you yeah. did you have to like you didn't have like metal detectors or anything like no that? we didn't yeah. we never got that far okay with metal detectors but like so like i i never thought there was like a lot of gang activity in my school per se but apparently yeah. there was like i didn't mm. i didn't know anyone who was in the gang which like you know i yeah. knew most people in my school it was weird but at the same time like you couldn't wear a hat anywhere in my school you couldn't carry yeah. a bandana anywhere in my school you couldn't wear an outfit that was all the same color anywhere in my school gosh so i suppose i mean there's you know spill i you know we i live close to chicago um and i've spent some time and you know where I went to college was in South Bend, Indiana, which is about an hour and a half from Chicago. Um, pretty close to Gary there, you know, and then you've got Milwaukee that I, I spent a summer in Milwaukee as well. And, you know, it was a lot of those conversations, especially when I spent time in Milwaukee, we had a lot of conversations around like just being careful about what you wore and, you know, certain colors were definitely affiliated with different gangs in the area. And, and it's all spillover from, you know, the, the big city from Chicago. It's not, Right. It's just it's just spillover. It just kind of like pushes into these different communities, you know, throughout. But I suppose, you know, living so close to New York and a lot of people commute, you know, and, and there is a lot of people that live outside of the city. Uh, I'm sure that's probably yeah, some, of, some of that. I'm sure that was sure. part of it. Yeah. But I can tell you, like, poor Jeff definitely didn't. You could wear whatever color you wanted out in Port Or they drive in their Cadillacs. They, they, don't, they, didn't, they, didn't, they definitely didn't have uh, blue yeah. guys on their buildings. Sure. Um, the other the other thing that happened in high school was uh, my my senior year we uh, we had four bomb scares in my first semester. What? So and one of the times I'm in like gym class and it's like December, so we're like playing basketball or something. All of a sudden, you know, alarms start going off. Everybody's got to get out of the building. Go go go! And that's what takes time. Like you got to get the cops come in and you got to get bomb squads come in. They don't allow buses in until it's been cleared. Yeah. So we're all just like standing out on like the football field, me in shorts and like a jersey or a t-shirt <laughs> or whatever, just freezing. Uh, Absolutely yeah. freezing. And I'm like, whoever did this, if I find out who did this. <laughs> Cause sometimes you'd be like, yay, a free day off from school. Right. Right. Um, yeah. You get, yeah you people, wait. people would get, creative for that stuff too <laughs> even in even in i remember i think it was junior high or maybe even middle school someone took someone stole the coffee pot from the teacher's lounge then filled it up with black uh construction paper and wires that they grabbed from somewhere else and then threw it in the toilet and called up and said there's bomb in the toilet oh my god <laughs> and i'm like that they can't just walk in there and be like that's coffee pot they got to get like a, a robot in there and everything we saw the robot a few times. Gosh, that's so crazy. I I don't. I used to work at a school uh, back in Minnesota. I worked in special education, mm-hmm. and we had a couple times in the middle of the winter where it was like, "Are you serious? Like you scheduled a fire, like a fire <laughs> alarm test? You know? Yeah, like, fire drill. Yeah, yeah. There we go, fire <laughs> drill. Uh, you you scheduled a fire drill when it's like, I don't know zero degrees outside like <laughs> cool thank you perfect right <laughs> also working in special education we had a lot of like behaviors amongst our our kids and just schedules were very rigid and, and set and so those things were i was just a little bit frustrating a little yeah. bit uh you know we had one so we were attached to the high school though so like our like 
building was attached to the, right. the, the local high school. And so they had uh, one of the, I don't know, you know, the fire alarm went off on the other side one time. And it was an mm-hmm. actual, like, live thing because somebody pulled the drill or, you know, pulled the fire alarm or I don't remember what right. it was. I think, like, a chemistry lab had an issue or something, you know, one of those classic Right, things. right, right. And you're like, oh, my God, we just did this last week. Like, why are you going to do this again? <laughs> like, you just reminded me. Someone tried to burn down our chemistry lab, too. <laughs> chemistry labs are always, like, notorious <laughs> for being the, like... <laughs> Except ours was malicious. Someone yeah. literally tried to burn down the school, but, you know... <laughs> Oh man, man, that would have been. Forgot, a I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> that would have been a nightmare. Can you imagine having? What if they burned down the school? Yeah, I mean, what would they have done? They'd have just booked. They probably, a, probably would let me graduate early. Else. I probably would take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it'll worked out for you, but yeah. Dang. Um, what you know? Oftentimes, there's, uh, especially focusing on high school. Oftentimes, I feel like there is a um, someone or, or a person or, you know, an inspiration, someone that motivates you, a mentor or, or something, uh, someone that, that exists in your life around that age range that maybe had, you know, not everybody, everybody's different, but did you have that? Did you have anybody that was a, a mentor or somebody that kind of like inspired you when you were younger? No. No. Yeah, I, I think you can tell if I'm talking to someone. I wasn't super motivated, so I didn't. Yeah. So I didn't seek out somebody to you know motivate me. Sure. Um, particularly in uh, so in the summer between tenth and eleventh grade, I so I, I used to get injured all the time. From school, yeah. All the time, like I just put my body through hell when I was a kid, and. <laughs> I sprained my ankle so many times that this, this I found out, you know, months later that I had actually chipped my my tibia, which is the the, the yeah. you know your your shin bone and everything. Right. So the the bottom where it connects to your ankle, I had sprained it so many times that it actually chipped the bone. And what was happening was uh, the fragments were getting like stuck in between the joint, and my ankle would lock up. It was extremely painful. So yeah, it sounds like it. So I'm struggling with that, and I, I I start the soccer season at school, and I'm not I'm not playing well. I'm not really playing much at all. Like where where I went from, like you know, never leaving the game the year before. You know, I can't run. So we finally go to a doctor, and I turned out I have to have surgery and everything. So that was the end of like my high school sports career. Um, so I had surgery. I was on crutches, and at that point, you know, the, my only reason for being in school is now gone. Yeah. Um, How did you so, handle that? Like, was was that was that really hard? I mean, if that was me, I I would have been <laughs> I'd have been pretty devastated myself. I mean, athletics would have been definitely been my biggest motivation. Probably, you know, in high school for sure was uh, I cared way more about athletics than I did, you know, about my yeah. academics for sure. And so, uh, you know, if, if I wasn't able to to play the sports, you know, soccer and and wrestle. I would have, I'd have been bummed big time. Yeah, no, it was, it was not easy for sure. Um, you know, at first I like delusioned myself into like, uh, you know, like that I could still play. And uh, even though the, the doctor, the doctor said when I went, he was like, if, if you don't plan to like play like super competitively in college, like scholarship, you shouldn't play sports ever again. That's, that's mm. what he told me. 
and that you might as well shot me in the head when yeah. you said that and i did not accept that at all yeah. um, you know i i, <laughs> I, I went so. home i went home and i was like okay i have you know in terms of at that point baseball was kind of dwindling down for me um mm-hmm. i wasn't playing it as much i quit a couple of my teams um i was really only i was a really good hitter but i wasn't great in the field um so i was kind of letting that one go and then cleats were kind of rough for me with my ankles and i didn't feel like i had enough time to get ready for soccer so i was like okay i'm gonna get ready for next basketball season it gave me you know like eight months to to really recover and uh the, the first day i was allowed to walk um i was out on the street shooting free throws so uh for a time I had like a goal. And then as I got closer to that goal, I realized I wasn't ready and I, I never got the opportunity to, to play for the team. Wow. Um, but uh, a few months, a few months after that, which, which, which helped because I, I that was rough. They, there was like a three on three tournament at the school and I wasn't planning on playing, but my friend of mine needed uh, one, one more player. It was actually the, the, kid, the kid I fought and got suspended with. Uh, um, he, he needed one more player for his team. And I was like, so he needed like a fourth, like a sub. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll play for you guys. And it turned out like a lot of like my friends and a lot of people that, uh, had played on the school team were playing in the three on three tournament. So, uh, and it turned out that three of them sucked. They were horrible. <laughs> so three people on the team. So, so they ended up needing me to play. And I was like the leading scorer for the tournament. Wow. Like I was destroying all my guys that I used to play with. I was like, oh, that if only this is, if only, yeah. Oh, so great. I was like, if only I got into this level like a few months earlier, yeah. I, I could have actually played. So, I mean, did, did you eventually kind of come out of that? I mean, you, it sounds like you recovered and you were playing well and I've, I've never really noticed, you know, playing volleyball, obviously it's beach volleyball. That's pretty uh, low key, but, uh, you seem to get along great nowadays. I mean, has do you feel like you've healed yeah. up from all that? Yeah, the ankle. Yeah, it ends up actually being stronger mm. when uh, after the surgery than before because it was so messed up. So uh, yeah, I, you know, the few times I've sprained it since then have been excruciatingly painful. But uh, the, I, so I tore my ACL about four, two, three years after that. Ugh, man. Um, so that that was a lot worse. That affects me. A lot more than than the ankle uh, yeah. ever did. Probably um, still, yeah, right? Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That that was a rough one. That was uh, yeah, that was that. Uh, so yeah, I was just playing like a pickup game, and at at college, and the people were did not on my team just did not care, and I did. Cause I don't like to lose, and. Uh, yeah. What, what, so if you want to, what actually happened was so it's a two on one coming down. So I'm here, one guy's here, another guy's here. Yeah. This guy's got the ball, so I'm like, I'm gonna step up to him and he's gonna pass and I'm gonna turn and I'm gonna try to pin this ball on the backboard. <laughs> and so I so I do that, I take the step, he makes the pass exactly, and I get there and I'm a half a step late. <laughs> so he's up and I'm just getting up and he hits my shoulder. And his weight comes down, and I yeah. fall on my left leg, and it just goes. So, and Man. and I, I walked out of the gym. Oof, 
Yeah, that's brave. I, uh... <laughs> I could literally feel like it collapsing uh, every no. step I took. I, I like walked that. out, I got to my car, I drove to the emergency room. What did they, I know things have changed in more recent years, but what, what were they doing then whenever you got that repaired or, or fixed? In terms of like the surgery? Yeah, there's a few different ways. I, I know. Uh, they they, they use the graft. Okay. Yeah. From a, from a cadaver. Get cadaver graft, not the. Yeah. What is it? The. They could they could have taken like, one from my hamstring. I think it was. Right. Um, yeah. But no, they did they did not do that. So. Man. Yeah. I hear that's the best one though. The cadaver. Uh, yeah. It uh. It was never perfect, and then. I retore my meniscus about four years ago, but I never got repaired. Yeah, cut that so. out. <laughs> that was, I was just I was I was just doing leg uh, extensions at the gym, but I was doing a shit ton of weight. I was I was really I was in really good shape back then. Um, <laughs> You're getting old, man. You gotta take it easy on yourself. Yeah, like that. I was I was like twenty five. I was I was I was insanely strong at starts. that point. That's when it starts. Um, I was you know, I was benching two seventy five back then. Dang, I see. You. So so yeah, I, I thought I was untouchable, and then pop. <laughs> I chipped a bone in my foot when I was. It was actually my sophomore year of college. I was playing soccer. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't chipped the bone when I was playing soccer though this was the summer I was in Milwaukee and I was I was part of this uh it's called youth works and we led like inner city kind of like work trips so it was a Christian organization they brought in youth groups and and their leaders and whatnot in and then we facilitated the the trip you know the the different projects throughout the city and one of our sites that I was in charge of uh they're playing basketball they have this like little you know six foot hoop and I can mm-hmm. jump, you know, and the guys are all like running around and these, these kids probably like, yeah, middle school, maybe, you know, like that age range, they're like dunking on it, you know, and like showing off. And I was like, yeah, come on, let me have a try, you know, like toss me the ball. And they were like, you sure? You know, <laughs> like we've seen you shooting today. So you sure? And I was like, yeah, this short white guy can get in there. Let's go. Like, jump up going i have no idea if i made the basket or not but i came down and just like straight down classic like rolled the ankle right over the mm. outside of my right foot and just went yeah yeah and instantly like underneath there it just looked like you cut a tennis ball in half and like stuck under my skin you know like inst- <laughs> yeah. instantly yeah and you know being an athlete like you know the difference between we, we talked about this in wrestling all the time as a coach but the difference between being hurt and injured and right, it's like right. instantly, like everybody, like the the leaders that we would usually catch rides with the people they would they would drive into the city, and so we were in their van or whatever, and they were like, "Are you okay? Like, do you need anything?" I was like, "Yeah, I gotta go to the hospital." Like instantly, like I'm like, like I knew instantly. I was like, I, I know for sure. Like I I I messed up. Like <laughs> this is not good. Like this is this is bad. <laughs> so. You know me. Me, yeah. me and my parents are both were both super irresponsible with my injuries. <laughs> like, I, I never went to a hospital. I never took time off. Oof. Like, I remember one time I, I sprained my ankle at a soccer game, and I was playing for this team that like it was it was like my fun team. Like, I didn't have to put any pressure on myself or anything. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, but we would always have like just enough players to play. So I sprained my ankle one week and usually I'd, you know, I'd ice it and I'd soak it for like three or four days and it would loosen up and I'd be fine. Yeah. We're at the next week and my ankle is still huge and purple. Ugh. And I'm like, I gotta go. I gotta Ugh. go. You guys can't stop me from going. I gotta go and I gotta go play. And I went and I played. Yeah. And I've I just limped. Too. I limped. I limped around the field. I limped around the field for ninety minutes. Yeah, because you can't like flex in, in your foot. Excruciating pain. Yeah. No. No. And now it was that swollen. No. No. Yeah. And it, every time you try, it doesn't matter if you wrap it or not. It hurts like hell. It's terrible. Yeah. Ankles yeah. like ankle injuries. I don't know, man. I, I've never had an ACL or you know any of that stuff. Meniscus or I mean maybe a meniscus stuff. A lot of those heal on their own, you know. But. uh Man, ankles are rough because it's everything. Like all your your whole body's dependent upon them. <laughs> I've I've easily sprained each ankle at least fifty times. Oof! No, stop it. Yeah, it hurts. <laughs> I've, I've, I've sprained I, mine uh... a few times, but <laughs> I hear you, monk or scrappy, one of whichever one. Yeah. Uh, what about... He's uh, interested in the neighbors. So, the phone's obviously just throwing out some guys and they're losing their mind. <laughs> so. uh, what was what was next for you? What came after high school? What what was like your I'll air quotes air quotes uh, motivation uh, post you know high school? I, ha- I had even left at that point. If you could believe that, uh, you know, I left college. I ended up at. Um, a school I, I didn't want to go to in a, in a place that I didn't want to be. Yeah. Um, so if, if you want to let me elaborate on that a little more, so go for it. The, the year I took the SATs was the first year they were trying out this like new test. Okay. Um, which is probably the one you took, which was like three. Guys, come on. Stop it. Okay, we should look good now. Cool. So they, they, they went from three to two. So when I took my PSATs, Liar. it was the two-part test. That's yeah. killing me. <laughs> so when I took my PSATs, my scores were incredible. Yeah. Like I was, I was I think, top 2% of the three for math. Okay. And like top like 6% overall. Wow. It was, it was like close to 1,500. And just so the record states, I was not any of those things. Just want that to be. <laughs> so, so when that happened, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, okay, I can, I'm gonna go to any college I want in the country. Like yeah. everybody's gonna want me. Um, and that's, you know, that's what got in my head. That was my plan. I had this list mm. of schools, and I was like, they were all top tier schools. And then they changed the test, and the fact that they made it like two hours longer really hurt me because I take tests. Like I'm always the first person out of the room when when you need to take a test. Okay. Um, so when they take this one test and they break it into you know a thousand parts, and I'm sitting there for like two hours losing my mind, I just couldn't focus, and I just my my scores and my SATs were were not they were decent, but they weren't great, and uh, all the schools yeah. I really wanted to go to did not accept me because they were all out of state. Ooh wow. Um, what was so your number only... one? What was your number one 
uh, school that you wanted to go to? I don't even think I had a number one. I literally just went, I did, my counselor gave me a list of schools for my major, um, which at the time was elementary education. I took the top like six from that list and I was like, yeah. I'm going to one of these schools. Okay. Um, so it was like, I think it was like DU, St. Joseph's, uh, I think St. John's was in there. UNC, oh, UNC was where I really wanted to. I wanted to go to UNC at Chapel. Yeah. Um, which getting into UNC at Chapel out of state is like super hard. Sure. They, they accept mostly in-state people. Um, and then I applied to one other school in North Carolina, which I think was Campbell, which is a shit okay. school. Really? It's not, it's not a good school. It's, for one thing, it's a, it's a, it's a Baptist college. Okay. And they make you take like an absurd amount of religious studies. Yeah. Um, and as someone who is <laughs> not religious that. in any way, um, was not happy about paying people tens of thousands of dollars to teach me sure. about something I didn't believe in at all. So that, that really pissed me off. Yeah. And then my other school was just because my dad said I had to apply to one state college. So I applied to the best state college in the state, um, thinking I wouldn't get in because there was like acceptance policies were, like super tight. And I think I like deliberately messed up my essay. So I was like, I'm not going to a state yeah. school. I'm not staying in New York. I'm getting out of here. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting away from you people. Like, let me go. Yeah. yeah. So, and I ended up getting in there and it ended up really being my only option. So mm. in, in upstate, in the boondocks of, of New York, uh, is where I ended up going to college and I was not happy about it. Nice. I mean, so you went to uh, an in-state school your, the choice that you didn't want to have to make was the one you had to go to. Was that disheartening? Yeah. Yeah. It was just a string. It was, it was, it seemed like what was supposed to happen. Cause at that point I was on just a string of like, yeah. Shit getting progressively worse for me. Sure. You know, the injury was one thing and then, you know, I couldn't find a reason to be at school. So like I said, yeah. I, was, I was barely there. I didn't, I didn't care about any of my classes, mm -hmm. you know, and it was kind of a downward spiral of it for me for sure. Yeah. And yeah, just being up there and, you know, uh, luckily, you know, I met some good people and I had a lot of good friends up there, but again, school was not a focus for me. You know, college was really weird for me starting out because like, like I said, I'd never had to try mm -hmm. school before. And then I had these teachers saying that they didn't care if I showed up to class or not. And I was like, this is a dream come true yeah <laughs> but but you know when you go to college you don't just you know yeah learn things by osmosis you know right well so, the way they get you, the way they get you in college is they go you don't have to show up some of them not all of them but you don't have to show up but then they like base their tests or you know whatever it is off of the like lecture so right well i felt like i was spending the time i would have spent a class at you know at my dorm reading yeah, uh, what was happening? You know, I was most of the time I was at the gym playing basketball. Yeah, uh, I met I met this other guy who was just like as much of a gym rat as I was, and we just <laughs> fed off of each other. That's and awesome. yeah, we we got I, I definitely got into a lot more trouble in college than I did in high school. Um, so like my this this will basically tell you what my first uh session in college was like my first after my first semester I was on academic probation okay then my second semester I got active 
off of academic probation, but I got put on dis- disciplinary probation. Okay. Um, and then my third semester there, I got off of disciplinary probation, but I got put back on academic probation. Um, Just keeping it well, falling, huh? Yeah, like college was the first time I'd, I'd ever seen like a C on okay. a card before. Um, and is it just out of effort? Like you just weren't trying? I thought I, I wasn't trying. I wasn't going to class like pretty yeah. much at all. Yeah. Like my, my teachers didn't even know me for the most sure. part. Sure. What What was the decision to, you said uh, elementary ed? What was that decision? Yeah. How, how did that come about? That was just, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Sure. That's fair. And when like, you... I, I like kids at the time and, <laughs> and that's not that I don't like them now, but it was just like, they were just, it, yeah, it was just like, I, I liked hanging out with kids. I thought they were a lot of fun and I was like, okay, so let's sure. do elementary education. And then, you know, and it was just, I, it, it was basically, they said I had to pick something. So I picked something. Yeah. Um, was, was that like one year and done with that? Or did you even finish the first year? What, when did you switch? I don't, I don't think any of it even mattered. Um, <laughs> it was based like, on I, I, grades it didn't really matter i'm pretty sure my first semester so what, I, what i used to do at the school is i used to bulk up with like 20 credits and then after two weeks i'd drop whatever classes i didn't like mm. um before like you added before you got to the point for like drop or add fa- uh, pass fail or whatever so yeah so i think like my first semester i had this like uh education class and after two weeks i dropped it because i was like i yeah and i just kept taking like you know the regular classes like math and and science and stuff okay um yeah did you have any you know how did well how did once you switch did you start to figure things out and start to change the way you were uh, approaching things or when did that come it was it wasn't switching major it was after that year and a half like i was a wreck like i just yeah i was losing my mind you know i was i, I was freaking out because i was wasting my parents money and i was wasting mm. my time and everybody else's time yeah. and you know it was the first time you know even though in high school you know i had troubles the first time i really had to struggle like mm. you know was, everything still came easy in high school so like even though like i had bad things happen to me like it never really hit me all that hard um but then you know once everything was falling apart and i like i didn't know what i wanted to do and now i'm failing out of college like what the fuck is up with that like yeah. what kind of you know loser fails out of college <laughs> um so then i ended up leaving that school because i was like I, I can't stay here like it just didn't make yeah. sense um so i went back home which was a nightmare for me that that just seemed like it was the end and mm. uh, i went to community college like it was just all mm. falling apart yeah. all falling apart and i was like you know who knows what we making out of this um and then i just like like i focused up which was good um but i also like shut down at the same time um yeah. i didn't really talk to anybody um a lot of my friends that i had had back around home like i hadn't talked to for a long time sure and i didn't you know i wasn't super excited to be like hey i Hey, I'm back. Big failure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm a big failure and I'm back, you know, even though I yeah. said I would probably never talk to you again and I'm here. Uh, and that was always rough because it, 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 the community college was like the, the local community college. Like mm. I would see people from high school and stuff there. But uh, well, yeah, so that was that was 
tough. Well, let me let me uh, let me kind of bring about another line of questioning here along the lines of what we're talking about. You, you've mentioned earlier on, you know, your desire in high school specifically to just get out, you know, to get away, to kind of go out on your own. Um, and then it sounds like once that happened, maybe you had fun right uh, along the way, but the expectations oh, yeah. that you had kind of going into that of what that was going to look like, um, just didn't work out. And, you know, with you leaving that school, was it, a? I know personally for me, like that's a blow to my ego, right? That's a blow to my like own pride and, and just kind of like me going to this, a small school, high school, like I really wanted to not go where everybody else went. So there's parts of that, that I was like, man, like I just want to get away. Right. I want to go away. And for me, man, I went, four hours, five hours, six hours away from where I went to high school. And I was like, that's awesome. Right. Like kind of the similar to you. Like I, I want to get away. I want to be able to make my own a fresh start, if you will, or just kind of make my own name and kind of figure things out. But I feel like that would have been a really hard thing to really a hard pill to swallow after you had spent so much time really wanting to just get away and get out. Yeah, the thing was, so when I left for college, that that didn't feel like me getting away. Mm. Like that that wasn't the point where I got away. Like just as I left ah, home, like okay. I was still like my parents were still paying for college. Like I was still you know under their thumb for the most yeah. part of it, and like I was still wasn't doing what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't want I didn't want to go to college. Right. It just I I fell into this pattern where I just kept doing the things that I thought I had to do. Mm. Okay. You know. Yep. So as long as I was doing that, I, I was I hadn't left. Um, and honestly, it probably wasn't until I moved down here that I really started doing what I what I wanted to do until I yeah. figured that out. Um, but yeah, so like leaving for college was not me getting out and going back. It wasn't because of that that I felt like I was going back to something. Like I, I had, like yeah, there was a, a certain sense of you know regression. Um, because I was away and I was living on my own and I was doing whatever I wanted to, but that obviously wasn't good for me to yeah. a point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it only wasn't good for me because I still wasn't doing what I wanted to do. Totally. This is a, you know, this is a, you know, a, a more personal question and Nick, please feel free to just, you, you don't have to answer if you don't want, but where, where did that come from? You know, where did that desire to kind of like, find yourself or like get away and, and become your own person, you know, especially at such an early age, where did that stem from? I don't, you know, I really don't know. To be honest, it was just yeah. always there. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's not an uncommon thing, right? Necessarily, but it's also unique. I, I think, you know, talked about, we, this is, we've done 106 podcasts up to now. And I, I think that, that this story and your story that you're kind of sharing here is a little bit unique compared to, you know, maybe the average or what the, the normal uh, podcasts have kind of gone and those stories have kind of gone along. I think it's cool though. I think it's, it's interesting. I, I personally didn't realize I wanted, uh, maybe I did. I don't know if I cognitively knew that I wanted that, you know, but I'm, I've always been that kind of person that I, I want to be able to, 
don't tell me what to do. You know, like I want to figure it out on my own. I hate being told yeah. what to do. And I'll just do it the opposite way just to not do what you told me to do. And, you know, that's something I'm working on as I get older and as I am more of an adult <laughs> person uh, that's I, out on my own. But I, I went along, I went through the, I don't know, I just kind of went along with the, the way of life, you know, as man, I grew up in this conservative Christian household. Um, you know, I, I kind of followed the paths of, of my family, of that, you know, evangelical Christian home. I went to right. a Christian school. I ended up, you know, declaring a youth ministry major. So I'm a ministry major. So I stuck within that. And then I got to my junior year and I had this like one, for me, it was a, a I, it was a question, right? My buddies and I were sitting and we were talking and one of them said, but why do you believe that? And that was the question that, that started it all for me because I had never really thought about it, like why I believe certain things. It just, that's the way I always believed, you know? And looking right. back, it's because that's what I've been taught. That's what I've been told. That's what I'd been, you know, showed. And, and uh, then as I started to be kind of that coming of age and, and figuring things out and figuring life out, I realized, you know what, like, it's because it's what I've always known. It's what I've been taught. It's what my parents taught me. And I still hold on to a lot of my core values and a lot of my values from that time, but things have changed mm -hmm. for me. And that's when I started to think on my own and be on my own. And kind of like you're talking about maybe for, for you when you moved to Florida, but started to make my own decisions, started to make decisions for myself. Um, and, and that was, that was huge for me. That was the, the pinnacle, you know, the, the top of the, kind of that leap of faith of, of kind of figuring things out. And that's when my world started to kind of like break down. I started just being like, nope, don't need that anymore. And grabbed a hold right. of, you know, whatever was floating above my head and threw it away. And was like, nope, don't need that anymore. I'll hold on to this one. And then, you know, as you process through different things, you're like, nope, don't want that anymore. And um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I feel like I deconstructed my life and had almost, um, you know, a, a yeah, I deconstructed and then I was able to and over time and I still am, I think, in some ways, but, um, you know, reconstruct what what is it that I I truly believe and what I want to the person I want to be, you know, mm -hmm. versus what everybody else told me I was supposed to be. When uh, you, know, you were saying that, you know, you didn't have, you know, the, the grades and stuff like I did when you were a kid, but like, did you like were you always like getting by? OK, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean. I was probably, man, uh, yeah, I was always that, like, like a B student-ish? Yeah, CB C, student, you know, like, most of my grades were fine, but there was always that, like, one class that just, like, screwed me, you know, that, mm -hmm. like, maybe I'd get a C and, you know, several Bs, especially my senior year, but my, my senior year of high school, I, I really stepped up, you know, and I, classes were a little bit easier, but, um, you know, I was, I was interested in playing soccer and, and wrestling in college. And so that was a motivation for me to be like, all right, you got to get things right. together a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was probably like a 2.8, you know, to close to 3.0, like in high school. And then probably about that 2.8 in college. Like I definitely had some classes like biblical he Hebrew and biblical Greek that I was like, I'll pat, I'll take a pass, please. Like <laughs> D minus. Great. Perfect. Yeah. That works for me. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I wasn't like, even in college, I was never this 
excellent student. And it wasn't ever because I didn't want to participate or I was always engaged in, in class and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I, I went to all my classes and, but I just, I don't know. I mean, I did better. My, my grade point average probably went up a lot like my senior year probably of, of college as well. And mm-hmm. I just had a lot of papers that I had to write. And so my papers were, were generally my gen ed classes were the ones that I didn't really enjoy. And I was a terrible test taker. Uh, I definitely have that like, uh, what is it like test anxiety deal? Like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. 100%. Like no doubt. Um, I used to have, uh, I've, I'm, I've told I'm this, test taker. yeah, I can see that. You know, you, you, but, uh, I had this, my mentor in college was one of my, he was my psychology professor and I'd go in, you know, once a month or every couple of weeks or whatever it was that we had set up. And every once in a while, I'd be like right after a test that we took in his class. And he'd be like, Hey, I got a question for you. And he'd like pull out my test and he'd be like, just start answering or like asking questions that I clearly had gotten wrong on the test. And, you know, I was probably above average on getting them right the second time that he would ask me and he was like you know this stuff like you know it like stop overthinking it but he was one of those that he'd always put like the trick questions and he'd put things that sounded like or sounded good Mm -hmm. like really close he always wanted to make sure you knew the information and i i would always get like c plus b minus on his test like always and i i like studied so hard he's my mentor you know like that was like one of my classes i wanted to to do well in, and you know i wanted to make a good impression with him but yeah i don't know did you kind of uh like struggle at all with like the idea of having a quote-unquote mentor i didn't i wanted or did you kind of gravitate for that yeah I, i definitely sought that out and definitely wanted that at the time and um you know that's something he was he was my main mentor for sure, but I, I definitely had different relationships with going to a smaller college as well. We had, you know, we had open access to our um, professors. And, and honestly, like, we had a lot of really reputable uh, professors, especially in my major, you know, youth ministry within the, the ministry field from people that had translated multiple uh, professors that had translated parts of the Bible and, and different, you know, versions and, um, you know, philosophy professors that were, well-established in, in, um, in the writing community and in the, you know, the philosophy world. And, mm-hmm. um, so I, I had a really awesome opportunity there and, and I had a group of friends that we were very much like-minded and want to do a lot of the same things together. And so I had right. different opportunities throughout those relationships. So yeah, it was definitely something I sought out and something I wanted. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because we were talking about the, you know, the independence thing and how you were kind of like that too. And like, yeah. I I never would have had like like I said like I didn't necessarily look up to people. Mm-hmm. I think it was partially because like I as especially younger I never I, I needed anybody. Sure. You know it's um, very fun. Pretty much everything came naturally to me yeah. like in a weird way to a point yeah. like like I said I was never the best at anything. I was never the smartest kid. I was never the best athlete. Sure. Um, but I never had any trouble like picking something up and like understanding it or anything like that or not being able to do something or anything like that. Yeah. So like, I think when you don't struggle, you don't look for help. Like, well, why sure. do I need help? Right. Like, yeah. why else, what do I need a mentor for? Like I got this shit down. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I was very much encouraged at my school. Uh, it was a, it was a thing that was encouraged for sure. And, and it's definitely a more fundamental piece of, I feel like the, evangelical Christian church and, and kind of that group that I okay. you know, 
surrounded myself with and, and grew up with. It was definitely a, an encouraged thing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It, was, it wasn't, I wasn't the only one, you know, most of the people, most of my friends all had somebody that they, they talked to and, you know, uh, like, uh, I, I had like a, like a, like, I guess like a counselor or whatever that would like help you like pick classes or whatever at, at that first school I went to. And yeah. uh, that guy would just mock me. <laughs> but that's my first year and he was looking at my class and was like yeah you should probably take that yeah yeah <laughs> he was he was such a dick oh no hell. you're good you're good but yeah he was such a dick and he would mock me that's that's uh... about my class choices and like oh I, I switched major he was like yeah you probably should switch majors it's probably a good decision i feel like you're supposed to fucking help me like why are you making fun of me right now Oh, no. Did I lose you? Hey, there you are. Oh, I, okay. Uh, for, for those of you listening, and you can probably hear me now, I have switched cameras. I have uh, some technical oh, okay. difficulties on one camera, so I'm switching over to a different area, and now I have to switch into some different headphones so I can hear you and, and not have technical issues. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting, you know, just the mentor thing. Yeah, I, I, definitely, I definitely sought that out. And it, I, I feel like, for me at least now, I mean, it's something that I – would probably appreciate even now as I gotten older and um I really I really do I don't know even like this you know I, I've talked about it on the podcast before but you know Dana my wife uh, she's talked about it that this is in some ways it's definitely like a therapy um you know just talking about life and talking about myself right. and hearing other people's stories uh it's something that I don't know. I, I think I get a lot of benefit out of that because it's just kind of the, the guy that I am. I, I think about those kind of things a lot, um, you know, just life and those deeper questions. And um, I love like philosophizing and the psychology and thinking about the mind and how people, you know, think and act and the sociology side of things and, you know, the reactions to societal reactions to different things. So um, I don't know. I, I think it's really interesting and I don't know if it's like a, de it's like, it's almost like data mining, you know, like I mentioned before, I, I've posted six pod or 106 podcasts. So I'm no stranger to, you know, the conversations that have and, and happen and the responses. It's something that I think about a lot, you know, even mm. um, another priest is like, even when I send invites out to people, you know, you're, you're a little bit different because I, I knew you and we had talked about this and whatnot, but I send, right. you know, invites out to people and it's interesting to measure the responses and like, categorize you know almost like group them in together in some ways there's just there's times when you group those together and you start to see like trends you know and recognizing those different trends throughout the different process but um i don't know i don't know where i'm going with this conversation to be completely honest um but yeah so let's let's take it back for you you know we were we were talking about college you ended up going back to the community college 
Um, yeah. So yeah. So I did a year and a half at um, at the school of state. Then I came back. The community college did that for a year and a half, um, and then I went to another school to finish up my my bachelor's. Okay. Okay. Which was just then, a, a small private college on on Long Island. Nice. And that's what where you finished up with the accounting degree. Yeah. What What was the how did you decide to go accounting in that direction? <laughs> so in high school, in like 10th grade, maybe, one of the years where they forced me to take electives. Um, yeah. I, I picked accounting, I think because it was at the top of the list. Like I remember being in like my guidance counselor's office with this girl and we're, going, we're supposed to be going over like our schedules for the next year. And he's like, oh, you have to take an elective. And then he said, like, how about accounting? And I was like, yeah, because <laughs> no matter what it was, I didn't care what it was. Yeah, whatever. So, so I was like, yeah. And I think she ended up taking it too because apparently she cared as much as I did. So, <laughs> so I took this elective in high school for accounting, and class was so easy. Yeah. Like I literally – I think I learned everything there was to learn in that class in the first two weeks. Oh, wow. And then I spent the rest of the class either sleeping or helping the other kids in class. Yeah. So you came into it with like a, at least some sort of a base knowledge then, huh? It was, it was a very light base. It turns out they didn't really teach you much of anything in that class. But, but my <laughs> thinking was, my thing at the time was I need something. Like education does not look like it's going to work out. I was, yeah. I switched, so I was an education major. Then I was a math education major, and then I was just a math major. So that was my okay. – in three semesters at the other school, I changed majors three times. Ooh, so, baby. Uh, which, again, was meaningless because none of the classes I took mattered. Yeah. So, and only so. – so, so in three semesters, only 18 credits transferred over. So. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. Yeah, uh, um, that's rough. So, so in my head, I was like, okay, I took this accounting class in high school – I'm good at math and accountants make good money. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just, <laughs> that was it. And then I just ran with it. Nice. You know, and I mean, at that point it was just get it done. Like from the beginning, it was just get it done. But even at that point it became like a crisis. I just had to get this college thing done. Like I didn't yeah. need to get the degree and get out. And like, I worked, you know, pretty much after, after, you know, upstate, I couldn't really work because there was nowhere to work. It was in the middle yeah. of nowhere. Um, and then when I came back, like I mean, I was like, I need to get my life back in order, and that means, you know, getting shit straight. So I mean, taking my class. So I was taking at the community college, I was taking twenty plus credits a semester, like twenty to twenty four to catch up, and then I was working eight hours after class every day. So I'd go to class from seven o'clock in the morning to two o'clock, yeah, and then from two thirty to ten thirty, I worked in this warehouse, and then I get home at like eleven o'clock. I'd do homework till like one in the morning and then I'd start that shit all over again the next day. Gosh, dude. Yeah. I, so. I can relate to that. My, I didn't do a lot of like work necessarily until, I mean, I, I worked at like on campus a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but my junior year was the hardest year for me because like I said, I was playing soccer. I had a job as well. So I had, I worked for the YMCA, the after-school program that they had Okay. with kids. And so mm -hmm. I would go. I, I, like, left my class. I had a 50-minute class 
that I left like 20, 25 minutes early so that I could get there on time to get everything set up for when the kids then came. And then mm-hmm. my practices, it worked out perfect because my practices, soccer practice was at like 6, 6.30. And so in an ideal world, it was like 2-ish, like 2.15, 2-ish till like mm-hmm. 5, I think it was. Uh, so I like, like a few hours every day there. But then if parents didn't show up on time, then I had to stay there until their kids got there. It may have been 6-ish. Five thirty. I don't know. It was it was a weird, and I had like a little bit of commute with traffic right in that time, and so I spent a lot of lot of time. Like I'd go from I've told this before on the podcast, but I had Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. I had an eight a.m. class. Stupid. It was terrible. I also had Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We had uh, mandatory chapel. We had Mm -hmm. no chapel three days a week. And that was at like nine o'clock. So, right. or like 9 30, you know, like somewhere in there, 10 o'clock maybe. I don't know what it was. Yeah, um, yeah. But so I would do that. I mean, my schedule was from pretty much during the week, it was like 8 a.m. till forever. You know, I'd come back, I'd go straight to work, straight to practice, straight to food, straight to shower. You know, yeah, now yeah. it's 10, 10 30 at night, and I haven't even started studying yet. So, like, it's a lot. Like I, I can, I can relate that. Yeah. I look back at I that have, and I'm uh, like, that was the dumbest time of my life. Like that was so much like, God, how did I do that? <laughs> I have a, I have a fun story. So I had this one class at seven o'clock in the morning. That was a, it was like a history class. And it was in this like annex building that like didn't have heat. So like during the winter, it was like crazy cold. And, uh, that class, like, like I said, I was burnt out all the time. I was, you know, I was so a seven o'clock class. I was mostly falling asleep for um, if I showed Gosh. up on time. So, so I'm so for everyone else, it looks like I'm the kid who comes in late and sleeps. <laughs> and then one day we're like having this uh, conversation in class. And I'm actually awake for it. So there you go. And we're talking about the industrial revolution or something. And okay. The teacher asked around, we're talking about like harsh, uh, like working conditions. And my boss, I mean, my, uh, my teacher asked, you know, anybody if they've had any run-ins with like, you know, weird or, or harsh working conditions. And the job I had at the time was I would sit in a warehouse at a computer and I would grab these boxes of outdated pharmaceutical products. Okay. And you'd scan them and the computer would tell you whether... It would be destroyed, sent back to the manufacturer, or sent to the government. And so, and you had like a quota that you're supposed to hit every day in terms of how many things you process. Yeah. So I raised my hand and I was like, uh, at my job, you have to process, you know, X amount of items per day or else you get fired. And my teacher goes, oh, well, what, uh, industry, what, what, what do you process? And I was like, drugs. And the whole class starts cracking up because I look like a drug. I look like a drug dealer who had to get his quota up. So but and it made sense because I would show up late. I would show up late. I'd be in sweats because it was cold in there, and I'd put my head up. down with my hood up and go to sleep. And I looked like the guy who sold drugs. <laughs> I put that one over really well. <laughs> it was hilarious. I laughed and I never corrected anybody, and I moved on. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I, passed, I passed the class. That's all that mattered. That's awesome. That's awesome. So when you when you finished with the accounting degree, how much, or I'm assuming that was, was like post that is when you moved to Florida? Yeah. So immediately after, so I graduated in what, like May or June or whenever people graduate, I, I was working at a bank during that time. Because um, after I left that school, I went to the next one. I switched on my schedule and I would work during the day and I would take classes at night instead. Um, so I'm working at the bank and I was like, oh, I'll keep the job because I had a couple of trips planned for like July. Okay. So my goal, my plan was to keep that job until the vacations hit and then I'd get paid out for my vacations from the job and then I'd quit. Nice. Um, so I did that and then I started to apply for accounting jobs and nothing was going there. So mm-hmm. I didn't get hired for a job until November and I ended up getting that job through my sister's friend who is now her husband. Nice. So I get an intern job in Midtown Manhattan for a you know a junior accountant or accounting intern job, mm-hmm. um, and then I was there for two years. Okay. Which, like, so like the the schedule I had in at the community college, which was you know seven o'clock to eleven at night or whatever, like that sort of never stopped. Nice. I did that until I tore my ACL, and then I had to quit the job because I had to go to physical therapy and everything. And then I switched schools and I got the job at the bank. So then I was still work, school, all the other shit. And then I got the job in Manhattan where I'm now working, you know, it's a two and a half hour commute each way from where I am on Long Island at the time. Um, so it's a five hour commute every day. Yeah. And I'm working insane amount of hours. Yeah. So I started, I started first of the year they're in tax season. So like a month in, I'm now putting in, you know, like 60 hours a week. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. So that, that's 85 hours just between commute nah. and work. Nah. Um, yeah, no, and no, that, no. and that's, that pretty much continues for like two years. Like I, I moved close to the city, but even that ends up being uh, a clusterfuck. Yeah. Like I moved <laughs> everything. It, nothing would go well for me during this time. So like I moved, yeah. I moved into this apartment, and then the apartment flooded twice, so I had to move out of the apartment, Yeah. and then Hurricane Sandy hit. Oh, perfect. And shut New York down. You know, tons of people lost their homes, um, so all the rentals were getting booked up, so I couldn't find a place for a long time. I found a place that was way too expensive, and I couldn't actually afford it, and uh, so I'm losing money just to have my job. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it's just, it was just a continuation of, you know, things I had. Snowballed. Sounds like it just snowballed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Things just progressively got, I had a ton of like weird health problems when I was in that job in New York. Like it just progressively got like, just kept breaking me down, you know? Yeah. Well, that's hard. The only thing that kept me focused was that like it was things I was supposed to do. So I was like, okay. I get focused up, I get my job, I get some money. Okay, I finished community college. Okay, that's done. Next step, I, you know, I'm going to get my degree here. I got my job. And, like, I'm not, I'm not having any fun during this time. 
Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm working or going to school, you know, 99% of the time. I have like two or three friends that I've picked up here and mm-hmm. there. Um, and then, you know, especially when I, then, then I moved away. And then, like, so I saw those friends even less, they're farther away. And I'm working crazy hours. And, mm-hmm. you know, like when I was working in the city, my, my thing would be I'd leave for work at like six o'clock or something. I'd get on a train, get into the city, work my full day. Then I'd, I'd eat dinner on the train home so that I could stop at the gym on the way home. And I'd go to the gym to like midnight. Dang. And then I'd go, and then I'd go home, cook dinner for the next day, shower yeah. up, start it all again the next day. So like, it was just like this period, it was just nonstop, just go, go, yeah. go. But it was all like, like the job in the city was like, okay, I get two years under my belt at a public accounting firm in Manhattan, I can go wherever I want to go and I can do whatever I want to do. So I just got to get sure. this done, even though that office was horrible. Yeah. Like the worst place you could work. It was <laughs> the worst. Like the, the people who worked there all hated each other. Hated it was just constant tension in the office. I was exhausted all the time. It was just... Yeah. Hi, Scrappy and Monk. <laughs> Yeah, more people at the garbage. Oh man, <laughs> rough. Uh, yeah. So that's a. I mean, even up until you just kind of had a lot going on throughout. You know, this a bulk of your life. You know, of kind of like always, kind of wanting something. You know, maybe different than where you were at. Do you feel like you've found that now, or do you feel settled in? You yeah, well, feel... that's what I was saying. That uh, you know, like I didn't feel like I really got away until I came down here because that was like yeah. the first decision I made that was like for me. Mm. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm sure I had to have told you that I, I originally came down here because I was going to start a food truck, and uh, yeah, you know, the unfortunately when I moved down here, the the bad stuff didn't <laughs> stop. Yeah, um, you know, when I first moved down here, my my friend screwed me over for a few thousand dollars, um, which put me in a real bad place from day one. And then I started having these really weird health issues, and mm-hmm. so it wasn't like I moved down here and all my problems were solved. But it was at least at least I was making the decisions that I thought would make me happy instead of just making a decision because I thought it was what I had to do. Mm, yeah so totally. even though even though it doesn't work out i, I don't regret those decisions and uh i'm in a yeah. good place now so i yeah. don't really be too mad at it are there any like life lessons that you've like learned from those experiences i mean is there anything that you really hold on to as something like that you learned or or you know i don't know you've you've seen you've experienced a lot nick and and i know like <laughs> you're a since I've known you, right? Like you, you're just a happy-go-lucky, fun guy to be around, <laughs> and, and I really, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you know our friendship and um, you know being able to kind of know more about you. But I feel like there's got to be there's got to be some things here, like that if because of the things you've experienced, you are who you are right now. Right. Anything that comes to mind? You know, for me, it was always just you know just keep pushing. It was that was yeah like Race the grind things will be better eventually mm. like 
Yeah. Like, just be hopeful. You know, like, if you lose hope, if, like, you don't think that tomorrow's going to be better than the next day, then you're kind of fucked and you've kind of given up yeah. on life. So, you know, as bad as things were, you know, even on my worst day, in my mind, I was like, I can make this right. In a yeah. weird way. Even when things didn't get better, even when the next day wasn't better than the next. Yeah. Um, I still thought I could somehow turn it all around. Yeah. And that I would say that's the key. That's that's the key for everybody. You know, everybody's got. You know, I, sure. I don't look back on my life and say I don't even say I lived like a hard life. No. Like when I compare of, it, it to other life. people's stuff, like, like, uh, like uh, listening to your podcast is, is a little bit bad. the the ones I've listened to at least. Like these people just seem to have like these super charmed lives in a yeah, way. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, there has been a lot of everything. Everything's come up rosy for for at least the ones I've I've listened to. Yeah, but even then, in my head, I'm like, oh, these people are the the you know the exception to the rule. Sure. Like I, I know plenty of people be, have yeah. hard have harder paths than me, and you know, exactly, I, yeah. You know, I I never I never look at my life and say it was hard. I just yeah, you know, yeah, I, in, just, my, in my head, in a weird way, I I still I still think that everybody's experience is my experience <laughs> in a yeah. weird way. You know, well, in in their own way, everybody you know has hardships, and you know nothing's easy for everybody. Definitely, I, I completely agree. I mean, there are people that have it, have you know situations in their life that just suck, you know, and, and way worse than anything I've ever experienced or you know right. gone through. And um, you know, I've there's a few there's a few guests on on the show. Uh, we can you want to listen to some of those but um you know that it, it, it is true and i think it's cool though because it's just special to you it's just unique to you it's your experience you know and right. legitimately like like our little motto is you know like everybody has a story and i really truly believe that and everybody's story matters it's just because and it matters because it's unique to you you know and and it's special right. there's nobody that can can have the same experience um, everybody internalizes and processes and sees things differently. And I think that that's really what's cool about, you know, having these types of conversations with people is no matter if you had it great, if you had it rough, if you had some ups and downs, if, if you've experienced some things, some life lessons and, and things throughout your life that are different than other people, that's still cool. It's still part of your story. It's still part of right. what makes you, you today. And And that's the beautiful part about life, I think, is – one, like you said, uh, don't lose hope. And there's, there's always hope. I mean, there really is until you, yeah. until you get rid of it, you know, until you make that conscious decision to not have that. But, right. um, and, and I don't know, it's a journey. It really is. It's cliche is all hell, but like <laughs> life is a journey, man. And, and every day yeah. you get to make the choice to, to come out and, and to be the person that, that you are and you want to be. Um, it's not easy. It takes work and it, it takes a lot of like, I don't know, self, um, uh, understanding yourself and understanding what you need and what you want and, um, understanding what it takes to get to where you're, you're trying to go. And, and, you know, everybody's different. Yeah. I think that's what's beautiful about life. Yeah. Well, we're past the hour 30 mark. Um, but let's uh, let's wrap things up. I've got uh, I've got the final questions. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. All right. 
Nick, what would you say you're most proud of to date? Uh, it's, it's definitely not one singular thing. I'm, I'm proud of just making it in a way. Sure. Um, you know, like I said, like, it took a long time for me to do what I want to do. And now that I'm spending most days of doing whatever I want to do, it, uh, yeah. it, it feels like an accomplishment even though most people would be like, oh, you know, you could you could have a better job, you could have a bigger house, you could have all these other things. <laughs> and I'm, just like, yeah. I, I'm kind of just happy with what I got. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, I, know. You know I, I sometimes feel guilty for not having, you know, the ambition that, that some yeah. other people have, but it's just, it's, it's not me, it's, it's not going to be me. It's just, I, I yeah. like to just be happy with what I have. And that's you know, okay. I think ambition's definitely a, a double-edged sword where, you know, yeah, you 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 work harder and you you get all these things, but then it was if you're never happy with it, what's the point? So, so true, man. So true. I agree with you. What do you look most? What do you look forward to most in the future? Do you have any ambitions? Any goals? Nah, not really. No, you're just living in the present, enjoying life. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not big on looking ahead. Um, sure. You know, I take things a, a day at a time. So yeah, if if you know, the status quo could could stay, that that'd be nice. Yeah. You know, if, if things could, you know, things I, you know, if things didn't get better and things didn't get worse right now, I, I think I'd probably be okay. Um, yeah. But I, I still, you know, still never lose hope that that tomorrow is going to be better. So yeah, you know. But I I never really look past tomorrow. So. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. I mean, it's it's a practice that some people uh, regularly practice is is right. Some people have really problems being present and in the moment yeah. and things. So, yeah, it's cool. Good for you. Do you ever think about your legacy? No. Yeah, I figured that was coming since you don't really <laughs> think about the future. But uh, not, not not only about the future, but the legacy isn't really about you. It's about how the world perceives you exactly. when you're gone. Yeah. And, and in all honesty, if, if I left tomorrow and nobody cared, I'd, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Uh, that's, well, I care. So that's... Well, thank you. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> that's not true. Uh, so you can't... I'm not saying no one cares, but I, yeah. I don't care if they care. And I don't mean that in like... No. That sounds worse than it is because I love the people that are around yourself. me. It's not even that. It's that I, I, I am very independent and I don't, yeah. my success and my happiness shouldn't be dictated on how you perceive my success and my happiness. That's a, you know? that's a solid, that's a solid uh, quote. I'm going to write that one down. <laughs> No, I, I do I do agree with you. The thing with legacy, I, I also agree with you with legacy. You know, um, it is something that other people think about you. And, and this question stemmed from, and I'm sure you've heard this maybe from some of the other podcasts, but this question stemmed from, I've, I've lost a, a couple friends to suicide um, mm. in the last few years. And, um, you know, something we talk about whenever you lose somebody, especially in that way, is, is you you think about them through their legacy and that's kind of the conversation sometimes and how the conversation's gone for me is like the legacy that they left behind, you know, they're, 
Um, and I also had a professor in, in school that we went to a cemetery and uh, we had a little sheet he handed out and it was, what do you want on your epitaph? You know, like, what do you want people to remember you for? And I think that they're, though it is totally dependent upon the other person and what they believe, you know, about you, we also are in control of, of how, you know, in some ways, how we live our life and how people perceive us because of how we live our life. You know what I mean? Yeah, to a point. Well, that's the thing to about legacies is that, is that like, yeah, what, what are they writing on your outset? Like, like, let's look at somebody, uh, like, like, let's look at like Kobe Bryant, you know, his sure. legacy, the, the competitor, the grit, you know. Yeah. Um, but there's a ton of other stuff about him. Like, we remember those, those, that one thing, that one part of him. Um, you know, when he went home at night, you know, it, it, you know he was very egotistical. He, he definitely cared if he cared about his, his drive. But it was more about him. He wanted to win. He didn't care if you wanted him to win, you yeah. know. Yeah. But we remember him for his grit and drive and determination. But he didn't. He wasn't sitting there going, you know, I, that's what I want people to remember me by. He was like, I want to win seven championships and you know take down my idol yeah <laughs> and There's even always... after that he and even after that he wanted to be a father and he wanted to be a family man like that's what he was after and uh you know that's not what 99 percent of the conversations about him are about mm. you know yeah. he's always going to be the basketball player not not the the doting father so well i i'll push back against you a little bit and, and we yeah, can go move for on it. but it's it's also perspective, right? Because that's what you and I, that's what, you know, mainstream media and ESPN and all the analysts want to talk about. But I bet his wife has a different story. I bet she thinks of him differently. I bet his mom, you know, looks at him and, and thinks about his legacy differently and thinks about him as, you know, not just a basketball player. And so exactly. Which is why when when you were asking like, what, what do you want your legacy to be? Mm -hmm. Like as much as you want that, it's probably not going to be that. Like, it's true. Like that's the whole thing about your legacy. It's not your legacy is not yours to write. It's yours to live, though, and you get to make those choices of how you live your life and how people potentially perceive Hopefully. you. Hopefully, and you get to now, which is beautiful. I will move on to our last question here, and you know I mean? looking back, what advice? would you tell little Nick? Maybe nothing. Is that, is that too egotistical? <laughs> no, go for it. I mean, if you don't have anything, that's it. No, no, you know, I, because whatever I tell him would change what I am now. You know? It has that potential. Yeah. So uh, I don't think there's anything I could say that would drastically improve my life. <laughs> and that's fair, man. Like, I guess, like, even if I told them about all the bad things that were going to come or all the good things that yeah. were going to come, it, it wouldn't make the journey any easier. Totally. Um, yeah, you still have to live it, right? Yeah. So, uh, no, I don't, I don't think I'd tell them anything. Yeah, just let them figure keep, it out keep, on his own, huh? Yeah, keep doing you. <laughs> there we go. Nick, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me on, man. This was fun. That was awesome. That was awesome. All right. 
Thank you all so much for listening. Your contributions help us tell more stories like Nick's and stories just like yours. Speaking of contributions, please visit us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, coming at you a whole bunch of different places. But uh, go check them out. You know, if you can like, follow, do all those things. If you're interested, that's awesome as well. Again, if you're listening, we are on YouTube. So go check out this video if you're interested in watching the podcast. That is an option. Uh, please visit crazyfaceuno.com. There you can purchase items from our online store and donate. Uh, again, that's crazyfaceuno.com. Um, check it out. We appreciate you all. Thank you all so much. Literally, actually, seriously. Thank you so much for tuning in, watching, and listening to this podcast, the Crazy Face Uno podcast. We appreciate y'all. We love you. Peace. Boom.